Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day, and uh, I hope that it is a good day for you. This morning in the quietness of my office, I was looking at a picture of my dad, and though he's been in heaven for 16 years, tears began to fill my eyes as I thought about that dear man and all that he has meant to me. And so I hope if you have the opportunity, you'll be sure if your father's still with you, you'll be sure to go see him today or at least to call him and uh, just let him know how much you love him. So guys, thank you for being the men that you are. And I want to talk to you today, but not just to you. And I, I know on Father's Day, uh, as pastors, we're always struggling with, okay, do I speak to the dads or do I speak to the whole congregation and if I just speak to the dads, the moms don't get anything out of it except elbowing their husbands at the appropriate times. <clears throat> so today, I want to speak to everyone, but just to be honest, I'm really targeting the fathers today. Have you ever gone down a road that you travel often and suddenly you see something that you've never noticed before? Happened to me again just this week. I was traveling somewhere going down this road that I've gone down hundreds of times. And normally, for whatever reason, I normally look to my left at this particular part of the road. And for some reason, I look to my right. And while I look to my right, I noticed a road that I had never even seen. Though I'd traveled that, that uh, road many, many times. You know, it's often like that in Scripture, isn't it? You can read a passage that you've read perhaps a hundred times. And then suddenly see something you've never seen before. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 is a well-traveled verse in Scripture for me, and probably for you too. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 is one of those passages that we've read, I've studied it, I've preached it, I've memorized it, and then suddenly God showed me something I've never seen before. That's the beauty of Scripture, no matter how deep you think you have gone, you can still go deeper in the Word of God. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, if you have your Bibles, open to that text or turn it on and go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In this first verse, Paul makes a bold appeal for a decisive decision. Here's how he says it, verse, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers... Now, let me just stop there for a second... This is why I say I'm aiming mainly at men today because it is Father's Day. But ladies, to be true to the text, I have to acknowledge that the word brothers there in the Greek text would include everyone. It would include men and women. But Paul does say, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, pause, this is your spiritual act of worship. Notice he begins in verse 1, at least in the NIV text, he begins with a word, therefore. Now, just if I were to begin a conversation with you, and I began it this way, therefore, it wouldn't make a lot of sense, would it? The word therefore indicates that there's something previous to this that's connected to it. You see, whenever you see a therefore in the Scripture, look at the previous to text to see what the therefore is there for. You got it? 
Some of you didn't get that, so whenever you see a, a therefore in Scripture, look at the previous text to see what the therefore is there for. Because when you start a sentence with therefore, and you start a chapter with therefore, it's an indication that basically you're starting in the middle of the conversation. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we're starting in the middle of a conversation, and the conversation actually begins in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. We're not going to have time to read all of that, but in the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is writing about the righteousness of God and the utter sinfulness of man. And in fact, if you read this book and break it up into sections, the first 11 chapters is what we would call the, the theological treatise of Paul. It is the, the theological uh, systematic theological address of Paul in the first 11 chapters. It's, it's the deepest letter theologically that Paul ever wrote, first 11 chapters. And then chapter 12 through the end of the book is more practical in nature. And so the therefore is, is the hinge verse. Verse 1 is the hinge verse. Therefore, based upon all of this theology that he has given us in the first 11 chapters, therefore, now let me show you how to live that out. It's the hinge verse in the text. And the first 11 chapters, again, he's talking about the, the righteousness, the purity, the holiness of God. And in those same 11 chapters, he's talking about the utter sinfulness of man. And that includes all of us because we are all ungodly, aren't we? I said we're all ungodly, aren't we? The Bible says that there is no one righteous, not even one. Nobody can count on their own goodness in the presence of God. And we've talked about that for the last couple of weeks. And throughout this letter, Paul is building an airtight case about the lostness of mankind and the necessity of God's intervention in our lives. And the good news is, the good news is that God has made a way through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to justify the ungodly. Salvation, somebody get ready to say amen. Salvation, Paul concludes. Salvation is available to everyone and to anyone. We're saved, Paul will say, by grace. God's unearned favor displayed, or the unearned favor of God that He's displayed towards us. We're saved by grace through faith. So, we come to chapter 12, the, the therefore. Look at the text with me and see what he says in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. It's so interesting to me, these first few words where Paul says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... It's interesting to me that he doesn't say in view of God's grace. Because in the first 11 chapters, he talks a lot about the grace of God. He explains the grace of God to us in great detail. But he, he doesn't talk in this verse. He's not talking about the grace of God. In this verse, he's talking about the mercy of God. Now, what's the difference? Well, because grace and mercy often appear in this in the same Bible passages together, some people think that they are synonymous, but they are not. Mercy is God withholding from us what we truly deserve, which is judgment. Now make sure you get this in your mind. Mercy is God withholding 
what we truly deserve. God withholding judgment that we deserve. That's mercy. God not giving us what we do deserve. That's mercy. Grace, on the other hand, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve, which is forgiveness. We need both, don't we? But grace is God offering to us, giving to us, what we don't deserve. Now, let me, some of you need some help understanding this, I can tell, so let me just see if if you can relate to this. Have, Have you ever been pulled over for speeding? Have you ever seen the blue lights in your rear window, your rear mirror? I had some highway patrol officers in the first service over here, and so I, I tried to be really nice to them. As I, but I've, I've, since they're not here now, let me just go ahead and, you know, and tell you about it. If you've ever seen those blue lights in your rearview mirror, I mean, some of you have told me what this is like. If you've ever seen... If you've ever seen those blue lights in your rearview mirror, it is an awful feeling. Your stomach just sinks. Your heart starts going a little bit faster. And you start thinking about the insurance rates, how they're about to go up. The officer walks up, knocks on the window, roll down the window, let me see your license, registration. You you know, I always, always, well... Always debate, how nice should you be? You know, should you just, just answer the questions? Should you be sugary nice and try to butter him up? Or should you say, uh, yes, sir, uh, I'm Dr. Keith Shorter. That's my license. Um, but since we're talking theoretically, I don't really have to worry about those things. But, <laughs> but he takes your license and he goes back to the car and it just feels awful. And he sits down in the car And it takes forever for him to write that ticket. And you're just thinking, how am I going to explain this to Lisa? And, you know, it's just going through your mind. All, And you know you were doing 70 and a 55. You're guilty, right? I knew it was 55, but I was in a hurry. And you know you're guilty because you're doing 70 and a 55. And then he walks up to you. And he says, Mr. Shorter, I'm just going to give you a warning this time. Hallelujah chorus breaks out in your heart. (laughs) Do you know what that is? That's mercy. Because he withheld something you deserved. You deserved that ticket. You deserved the full punishment of the law. And he chose to withhold that punishment that you deserved. That's mercy. And mercy feels really good. Now, that type of mercy is displayed all through Scripture. I want to show you one example in Ephesians chapter 2. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 real quickly. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Not only does a police officer sometimes choose not to give you what you truly deserve, God has chosen to do that. God amazingly has chosen to do that. Chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit which is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, 
and following its desires and thoughts. In other words, there was nothing good about us, nothing good in us. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of what? Wrath. We were by nature objects of God's wrath. We deserve God's wrath because we were living for our sinful nature and our sinful desires. We were objects of God's wrath. But, verse 4, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. See, mercy and grace work together. One protects us from what we deserve, and the other blesses us with what we don't deserve. That's mercy, and that's grace. Without God, in His mercy, diverting our judgment onto Jesus Christ, we could not experience grace. But God took that wrath that you and I deserved, and rather than putting His wrath on you, God turned His wrath off of you and onto His Son who was dying on the cross. When Jesus was dying on the cross, He experienced all of the wrath of God regarding your sin and my sin. And because God diverted His wrath away from you and onto His Son who was dying on the cross, He now can offer us the blessings of what we don't deserve. We can be forgiven. So, here's the question. All that's kind of introduction. Here's the question. How do we respond to that? How do we respond to what God has done for us? That God has withheld from us the judgment and the wrath that we so rightly deserve. How do we respond that God has not given us that ticket that we have earned? How do we respond to that? Paul says, here's how you respond to it. Go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers... In view of God's mercy, in view of the fact that God has withheld His judgment, in view of the fact that God has not expressed His wrath towards you, in view of the fact that God did not give you what you deserve, in view of God's mercy, I'm urging you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. The word offer, you might want to write this down in your, in your Bible or in your notes, the word offer is in the aorist tense in the Greek language. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it simply means this. It's implying that this is something that you do once and for all. Now, that's a key statement. I want to make sure you get this. When Paul says, offer your bodies to God as a living sacrifice, the word offer is in the Greek language in such a tense that it means offer once and for all your body as a living sacrifice. This is not a daily decision that Paul is talking about. This is not a daily decision that Paul is asking for. He is asking for a decisive decision. A decisive decision. How can I offer something daily if I've already given it away? If I've given my body to God once and for all, I don't need to do that daily. Because I've already done that. I've given it to Him. It's a decisive decision that you live out the rest of your life. Same type of commitment that you make when you get married. It's a once and for all commitment that you live out the rest of your life. On May 21, 1983, I made a decisive commitment 
that I would give myself to Lisa Hosier. Hard to say Hosier. She's just been shorter for so many years. But on May 21st, 1983, I decided a decisive commitment to give myself to Lisa Hosier. And I've lived out that commitment for 33 years. Paul says, here's the way we respond to God's mercy. The most obvious way to respond to God's mercy, he challenges the Christians in Rome and us to make a decisive, once for all decision to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, I want you to perhaps underline that word, bodies. He's challenging us not just to offer our hearts, not just to offer God our money, or our time, or our future, or our goals, or our careers. Paul says the most appropriate way for you to thank God for what He's done for you, the most appropriate way to thank God for His mercy is to offer Him your body. Now we prefer, listen, 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 we prefer to offer God our hearts. We prefer to offer God our our money. We prefer to offer God anything else because we want to stay in charge of our body. But before we trusted Christ, you need to understand something. Before you trusted Christ, here's what you did with your body. You used your body for your own sinful pleasure. Before you trusted Christ, you used your body for your own sinful purposes. Before you trusted Christ, you were in charge of your body. You did anything you wanted to with it. Paul says, but now that God has extended mercy towards you, now you need to offer that same body to Him. Why? Listen carefully. Because what you do with your body and where you take your body matters to God. I want to show you that in Scripture. You're in Romans. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, if He is in your body, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Verse 13, or verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Men, Scripture says we have an obligation. But it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. We've done that before. We, we, we need to go a different direction. He says in verse 13, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the what? Of the body. You will live. God says what you do in your body, what you do to your body, what you do with your body, and where you take your body matters to Him. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Philippians chapter 1. Over to the right, verse 20. It's amazing how many scriptures refer to our bodies. And this is a small sampling. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. 
Paul says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ will be exalted. Not in my dreams, not not in my future, not in my heart, not in my plans or my career or my goals. Christ will be exalted in my body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. So much in 1 Corinthians about this, uh, but we're going to read a few of those quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In the middle of verse 13, he says, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Skip on down. He says, verse 18, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Men, hear this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Because what you do with your body and where you take your body matters. You see, Jesus gave His body as a sacrifice for your sin. Paul says, and let's think this through, the most obvious response for us is this, that we would offer our bodies to God too. Most obvious response to what God did for us, the most obvious response to God's mercy is that we'd do what Jesus did. We'd offer our bodies as a sacrifice, but this time as a living sacrifice to God. Now, I want to give you, in the last few moments, a Father's Day challenge. Men, ladies, you can do this too, but, but guys, I just really want to focus on you. I want to challenge you today, guys. I want to give you what I'm calling a Father's Day challenge. And here's the Father's Day challenge. I'm challenging you to offer your body today to God once and for all as a living sacrifice and then live that out for the next seven days. You say, well, why seven days? Because if I ask you to do it for a year, I know you're not going to do it. You just won't remember it that long. But if I can get you to do it for seven days, then maybe you'll go ahead and do it eight days. And if you do it eight days, maybe you'll go ahead and do it nine days. If you do it nine days, maybe you'll do it ten days. And on and on and on it goes. You see, here's the challenge. The Father's Day challenge is very simple. That you would once and for all decide to offer God not your heart, not your career, But decide to offer God literally, physically, your body. And all that that entails. And then live that out over the next seven days. Over the next seven days, live as if this body is no longer mine. This body belongs to Jesus. What would that look like for you to live that out? What would that look like for you to live like this body is no longer yours? We are greatly benefited by a scripture in Romans chapter 6 that helps us understand how to do that. Romans chapter 6 verse 12 and 13 speaks directly to this issue.
Let's start at verse 11, Romans 6, 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there's another therefore. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and Offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Offer the parts of your body as instruments of righteousness. That's the Father's Day challenge. The Father's Day challenge is say, God, once and for all, I'm going to stop giving you my heart. I'm going to stop giving you everything. At once. I'm just going to give you my body. Because I know deep down what I do with my body matters. Most of the time, the times when I get into sin, it's because of what I did with my body. What I did with my hands, what I did with my eyes, what I did with my feet. What I did with my body and where I took my body, that's when I get in trouble. Paul says very plainly in chapter 6, don't offer the parts of your bodies as members to sin, but offer the parts of your bodies as members of righteousness. Guys, let me cast a vision for you for a second. Let me just cast this vision. Wouldn't it be great if a year from now, on the next Father's Day, you are no longer struggling with that addiction? Wouldn't it be great a year from now, on the next Father's Day, you're living a godly life? Wouldn't it be amazing if a year from now, on the next Father's Day, you didn't dread coming because you didn't have to worry what the preacher's going to preach about on Father's Day? Wouldn't it be great if on the next Father's Day, a year from now, you realize you have grown so much spiritually? And you'd probably stop and pause and say, you know what? It all started when I took that Father's Day challenge. It all started when I made a deliberate decision, a decisive decision to give God my body and not just my heart. See, back in the New Testament days, there was a heresy that went through the church for a while. And the heresy was that the Greeks thought that the body was the prison of the soul and the spirit. And that really didn't matter what you did with your body so long as your spirit belonged to God. That heresy is still alive in many circles today. Many people just say, well, well, if my heart's toward God, and I give my heart to God, and, and in my heart I believe in God, deep down you're thinking, I know this is probably not good, but it really doesn't matter that much what I do with my body. My body's going into the ground. My spirit is going to go to heaven. And I want to tell you something. Paul says, no, 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 no. It matters what you do with your body too. Because your body is part of you. I'd love for you to say, Pastor... You remember last year at Father's Day? I took that Father's Day challenge and I, I decisively gave my body to Jesus that Father's Day. And I lived it out for seven days. And, and then I just started living that way the rest of the days. And it was amazing how God's changed my life this past year. I love to hear you that testimony next year. I, I would love for some people to stand here next Father's Day. Some men to stand here next Father's Day and say... God has delivered me. God has changed me because God challenged me last Father's Day.
See, here's what I want to do, men. I want to narrow the gap between the man that you are and the man that you want to be. Over the next seven days, I hope to narrow that gap a little bit. As you decisively give God your body today and then live it out over the next seven days, however that means, you're simply narrowing the gap between the man that you are and the man that you want to be. And if you were to continue to do that, not just seven days, but throughout the year, it might be amazing by the time you get to next Father's Day how you have narrowed the gap between the man that you are and the man that you want to be. I urge you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing God. Pause. This is your spiritual act of worship. Translation, this is the best way for you to worship God. This is the ultimate way for you to worship God. So men, we're about to sing the invitation. I don't want to put on a show, but I do want to challenge you to live out this scripture. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today is your day too. Because the mercy of God, the mercy of God, He has withheld judgment that you deserve. And He put His wrath on Jesus Christ who died on the cross in your place for your sin. And if you will express your faith in God, you'll not only experience God's mercy, you'll also experience God's grace. God giving you what you don't deserve. Forgiveness. Let's bow our heads and pray together about that. Men, in just a moment, we're going to be singing. And ladies, though I've been speaking to the men today, it certainly applies to you as well. What you do with your body matters. Where you take your body matters. God, who is rich in mercy. God, who has not given you or me what we so deserve. Is waiting to see how you respond to His mercy. Men, once and for all, make a decisive decision. To give God you, your body. Do it today. Do it now. Do it decisively. Then live that out the rest of this week. And hopefully the rest of your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful for your mercy and for your grace. May your spirit lead in this invitation. May lives be changed. 
May you be honored and glorified as we acknowledge your mercy in our lives. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.